0: Thank you, thank you, Casey. You guys like our slides? Yeah. Thanks, Amir, for that, huh? Amir just keeps pumping them out. We love it. do <laughs> Yes. Uh, just to reiterate that the family center, what Casey was just saying. Yeah, we had a group come, and you know, it's it's a, it's a real fun season there because we're seeing we're seeing, starting to see a lot of growth um, and interest and involvement and and other. School districts and cities taking notice of what's happening here. We had a um, a, a mom walk in um, towards the end yesterday, and she went to the UCI Food Bank. I didn't even know there was one there. And for whatever reason, they couldn't they couldn't take her. But her husband um, just went out of work. He got really sick. I think was had a really bad bad car accident, but something. And he is out of work, and he's unable to provide for the family. and And she says she went there. They were unable to help her, but they told her to come to us. Like. You know, and, and so we're like, oh, we're not really set up for walk-ins because it's not really what we do. We do it through relationships with the school district. But, but um, Amy was talking with her in dialogue a little bit. And she's like, well, I have a son that's in the Tustin School District. And we're like, well, we're kind of doing stuff in Tustin. So, yeah, come on in. And just, you know, it's just one of those reminders of how, how, how actually big our footprint is in Orange County. Um, and I, th- I love it because our, our footprint um, is-, is really pales in comparison, like a sense of our size of our gathering. It's so much bigger and beyond this place and the vision of our church, all the prayers that we offered up, who we said we wanted to become, we're seeing that happen. Reunion Church is, is becoming a church that's known for our love and is known for our service where people that we don't even know we have no relationship with are coming in our doors and saying, I heard this is the church that can help me. <laughs> and so uh it 's a beautiful thing that 's happening, and so that being said, the family center is a big bright light uh, in our community right now like it is it is what God has called us to do, and it took two and a half years to find it to discover it and so um, what we 're going to be doing uh, this summer is that we you know so you know all the, summer's coming up uh, and, and we all know that you know in orange county it 's kind of a time where our routines and our rhythms are thrown a little bit. And we thought the summer a great opportunity for us as a church plant to, to just be family a little bit. What better way to be family than to take our gatherings to the family center? Wow, look at that transition. That was good. Um, and so, you know, just, just considering what God's doing there, the life that's happening there, all the different kinds of people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different ages, you name it, different ethnicities. What's happening there on Saturdays? Is God at work, and we thought, what what better way than to actually have our gatherings transition there on Sundays for the summer for about a seven or eight week uh, se- uh, 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 seven or eight week period. period? Thank you. And, and what better way, like, just worship and, and 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 pray and have community in there and 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 spend more time in the place that we feel like God is really at work. There's like it's I, even when I go to the family center through the week, it's just a sanctuary. You walk in, and you're like. This is just real. Like God, this is like a sanctuary here. God is using this space, and so uh, that's what we're going to be doing. So I want to put that on your calendar, and for you to remember that May nineteenth is for the summertime. We're not saying it's our last week here because we're not sure where God's going to take us in the future, but but for at this point right now, starting beginning May nineteenth, last Sunday here at the Family Center, beginning May twenty sixth, or last, last 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 Sunday here at Willard, May twenty sixth will be at the Family Center. And so uh, we're going to be doing our, our service in the back of the warehouse. We're going to deck that out. And in the front part where all our kids' stuff is right now, if you haven't been there, we have a whole little kids' section in the front. We'll be our kids' ministry and all that. And so um, what we're going to do, May, May 26th, will be Memorial Day weekend. So we're going to do a, like a big, we're having a taco guy come, and we're going to have tacos, and we're going to be throwing like a summer party there for, for our community. So I would love for you to come. Um, bring someone with you. I'm expecting God to do cool things in our, in our life of our church this summer. Um, uh, and, 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 and for us to get to know each other and, and, and uh, experience the life that he has for us as a church. So that being said, uh, we're, we're going to jump right in. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open it to John chapter 10, um, verse 1. Um, we are stepping into a new uh, five-week conversation that we're calling Come Alive. Uh, and, you know, I uh, found this interesting that, um, uh, church tradition, part of the church calendar that's been going on for, for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, tradition within the church that our, our forefathers started was the week after Easter, there was a period where the church would go through a five or six week period where they would actually keep talking about the resurrection, uh, just realizing that, you know, you've probably experienced it, you, went, you came here for Easter and you realize like the joy that's there, the, the spirit of invitation that's there, just the excitement anticipation of the resurrection of what happens. Easter is a beautiful picture of what the church ought to be every week. And, and for me, that's why I love Easter. Um, the fact that everyone comes bringing meals and it's just like, oh, this is a beautiful picture of what like I would love for reunion to be every week. And so our, fa- our forefathers saw the same thing in practice and they're like, we should, we should keep doing this. <laughs> we should keep living in this space. Um, it, it's not real helpful to like, be resurrected people and just talk about that on Easter and then go back to just business as usual the next week. And so for us, we want to keep that same spirit in our church. So we're going to keep leaning into the resurrection. And the way that we're going to do that is through the filter of John chapter 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, I've come to give you life. I've come to give it to you in abundance. And so we want to lean into what abundant life looks like. And so this week, my goal is to kind of just set us up for the next five weeks to kind of keep some vision, kind of keep some perspective to kind of be 40,000 feet and, and really talk about like what is our through line? How do we live an abundant life? And then for the next four weeks, we're going to be having some different um, communicators, different preachers in our, in, our, in our church here, Nathan and Amy, um, are going to come. And they're going to share about like get real practical in the weeds about how Jesus had interactions with people and how he actually brought abundant life into situations, into people's lives that that were feeling like they had everything but that. And so I've been praying for this series. Um, You you probably, we've been talking about life. We've been talking about abundant life. If You haven't been keeping track for about six months. (laughs) And you might be wondering at this point, does, does he just have nothing else to talk about? Like, is this the only thing he got trained in in school like, does he have, no, that's not, that's not the case. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm studying right now in my devotion time. I'm actually going through the book of John. And I just can't help but notice the frequency that Jesus talks about life. Like how often he revisits this topic with his disciples, how often he talks about it with Pharisees, uh, people of faith, people not of faith. This is a frequent conversation. This is a frequent teaching of Jesus because he sees his disciples, because he sees people choosing everything but abundant life. And so for him, Jesus keeps bringing us back to say, quit choosing the old stuff, the stuff that I've saved you from, and it's time to step into the new. So since Jesus felt like it was important to talk about this regularly, I feel like it's important for us too. And I think the invitation for our church is that we would you know, kick off our shoes a little bit. Let's, let's kick our feet up on the ottoman, let's grab some popcorn, let's get some LaCroix, or whatever your drink of preference is, and let's dive into this topic. Let's sit in it for a little bit. Let's wrestle through it, and let's stay here until we start seeing the perspective shift in us. Uh, until we start realizing that life is for me now. Jesus has abundant life for me, and I will stay in this place, and I will wrestle through this until I start tasting it and experiencing it for myself. I think we do a great disservice in the church today was we just move through things quickly and we don't actually settle in a little bit. So that's my heart behind this, just to clarify. I do know how to talk about other things, at least a little bit. So um, uh, so the context here in John chapter 10 uh, is, is important for us to understand. It's important for us to uh, have a glimpse of. Context is everything. Uh, because if we don't understand the context of what we're eating, we'll just put our own spin on things. And, th- and then things can get a little dangerous and a little wonky for us. And so here Jesus' audience uh, were the Pharisees. Um, if, you, if you don't know too much about the Pharisees, all you need to know is that the Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day. They were self-appointed by people, mostly just through themselves, to protect the law, to uphold the law. At this point in, 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 in Jesus' ministry, it evolved from like the ten... You know, that Moses gave in the Ten Commandments to about 600. You know, so a lot of these laws were kind of just laws against laws, ways to actually protect and uphold and pursue self-righteousness. And, and so this was a big job. This was an important job for them. And, and that's how they saw it. But, but, the, but the, the, the Pharisees, um, uh, predominantly the way they viewed religion, the way they viewed relationship with God was through right practice. Right? So just do what you're supposed to do. High value of obedience, high value of discipline, self-control. Here's the way, live it. There's not a whole lot of room for anything else. So emphasize greatly on practice. And if you know much about Jesus, which you all do, I'm preaching to the choir at this point, what was the message of Jesus? Grace. Right? God loves you just the way you are. You don't have to do anything for God to love you. He just He loves you. You're His son. You're His daughter. And so, as you can already see, the perspectives here between Jesus, who was Jew, and the Pharisees, who were well-meaning, hard-working Jews, were already at conflict of interest. And so they begin to start doing battle. They begin to have disagreements. Not like Jesus being like seeing Jesus necessarily as like a rebellious criminal, of any ways. But Jesus was somebody that was in their way of protecting the law. And with the influence that's growing here in John chapter 10, Jesus' audience, his followers are growing. And, and, and ultimately what's important for us to keep in perspective here, as we talk about abundant life and we talk about the life and ministry of Jesus. Jesus valued people over the law. Every time. Any interaction you see, any interaction we're going to talk about in the next five weeks, you'll see Jesus' heart was for this person over anything else. The Pharisees valued the law over people. And and one of the ways that Jesus valued people over the law was by healing people on the Sabbath, which is a big, big no-no in the Jewish faith. The Sabbath was a day that you ought not to work. It was a day to set everything aside. And and the Pharisees saw actual uh, performings and miracles that Jesus was doing for example, the one that actually kind of comes before this that we're not, we don't have time to get into when Jesus heals somebody, and he, you know, writes in the dirt. And then another one where he says, pick up your mat and walk. All these kinds of scenes that happen require work. And the Pharisees are like, you're breaking the law. You're breaking the Sabbath. And so where we pick up here in, in John chapter 10, there is conflict happening. And it's right after this moment that the Pharisees decide to take their game to a whole nother level and they decide that they are going to try to now figure out how to kill Jesus from this moment. So this is the lens, this is perspective of what's happened here. It's high intensity, but the heart of Jesus, the message that he's preaching to them, but also to you and to me, is, comes from a place of love. It's, it's a place of, of, of full of compassion and concern for his followers that are living everything but a life of abundance. So his heart for you in this is to like choose life. So maybe there's something that you can take from this. It's my hope. Just one thing. One thing. That's been my prayer. John chapter 10. Here we go. If you don't have your Bible, not shame on you. I love you. I said that one time when I was preaching at Rock Harbor. And I, I said, you don't have your Bible, shame on you. And And uh debrief they told me that i'm not allowed to say that so i was like i promise i won't say that anymore i don't want to like jesus gives you grace shame on you shame on all of you for not bringing your bible It's a conflicting message so i try not to say that anymore jesus loves you bring your bible to church truly i tell you anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in some other way is a thief and a robber the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all all of his outside, he goes ahead of them. The sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand anything he was telling them. Jesus said again, Truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All of you who come before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. A thief comes to only to steal and kill and destroy. But I've come to give you life and have it in abundance. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I laid down my life for the sheep. But, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock and one shepherd. This is a picture of the future. This is what Jesus is showing us. This is what one day it will be like. Everybody will be unified. Everybody will see Jesus as Lord and Savior, and they will profess him as king. Jesus is speaking prophetically here. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. I love this story, don't you? Here we go, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Uh, the way that, I'm just inspired, Lord, by the way, that you, the way that you preach, the way that you have compassion for us who are lost, for us that are broken, for us that are just so caught up or distracted and are having a difficult time stepping into the abundant life. I'm, I'm talking about myself here. And so, Lord, my, my heart and my, my prayer during this time uh, is not, <laughs> forgive me, Lord, for saying this, not so much for, like, all of us, but I, I just want to offer myself up to you as well. Uh, and I need your help to communicate and to articulate your word this morning. We want life. We want it in the full. We want it in abundance. But we need your Holy Spirit's help. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, just to get us going a little bit, to wake everybody up. Tell that you are the faithful few who will never, ever run an OC marathon. I don't have time for that. I don't have time to go running all day. What is this? I got things to do. Uh, Nathan's like, No, I wish I was there. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, a little crowd participation as we kind of step into this. I know all the, all the introverted people are like, I don't want to participate at church, but the participation of saints is what the Bible says. So let's just get into it a little bit. But at, at, at the count of three, you would help me with something. Would you just shout out the name of somebody, that, of someone that you trust more than anybody else? Someone that you know has your back, someone that you know understands you before anything else. You know that no matter what happens in life, whatever time it is, whatever it is, you can call and trust that person. Okay, are you with me? Do you have that person in your mind? Okay, I mean, don't, don't just, like, I want to hear one. It'll be weird if just one person's like, Sally. And we're like, then we'll have a talk with Sally. All right, so let's, let's try to be loud here. Let's wake ourselves up, okay? One, you ready? Two, this is your moment. Three. God. All right, well, good job. All right, I, No, I mean, the answer, I mean, if that's you, if that's your relationship with Jesus, that's great. I can't get in the way of that. I am disappointed, however, that I didn't hear my name. Um, I was I was listening. I did not hear Mike, unfortunately, that makes me just a little, bit, a little bit sad. I got still some work to do, obviously, as your pastor. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, but all joking aside, you know, for me, it's Jesse, right? And maybe it's your spouse or a friend or a roommate or a mom or a dad or whoever, whoever, whoever it may be, but, but, you know, I think it's important that, you know, uh, we have someone in our lives that we can just be ourselves around. Um, that that we don't have to pretend, you know, oftentimes for me, a mark of a real healthy relationship, and some of you will cringe over this, is whether or not you can actually go on a car ride and drive for like two or three hours and not feel the need to say anything. You know, like if you're in that moment, you're like, I just feel so awkward and clammy in this moment. You might not trust that person you're with, or you might feel a little awkward around that person you're with, but kind of a sign of that is just being able to be yourself, let your guard down a little bit. And, and for me, that's always been Jesse, growing up together, spending well over half our lives together. Uh, Jesse is someone that, that knows me, and Jesse is someone that I know. When we have good times, we have hard times, life is crazy all the time, but my relationship with her at the end of the day makes life a lot better. It makes life a lot more enjoyable it makes life a lot more, dare I say the word, abundant. It makes the, my life full. And, and as we're talking about this, talking about John chapter 10, um, I'm willing to guess that the person's name that you said uh, uh, is, is someone that, that makes you feel the same way, is someone that makes your life better. That if not, not to have that person in your life, your life might feel a little, bit, a little bit more in chaos or a little bit more confusing or voidless, in a sense. I don't want to say purposeless, because you still have great purpose regardless. But but God gives us people as gifts. He, he gives us people to kind of show that that, 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 that is something that, that, that helps us, that encourages us in life. And so this word, abundance, is something worth sitting on for a second. Because this is what Jesus speaks to. When he talks about life, he chose his word wisely. The word abundance here uh, in John chapter 10, verse 10, actually comes from the Greek word uh, parisos. And that is where we get the word perimeter. The perimeter of something, as you know, I think a lot of times in the English language, we can think of perimeter as something that is like a boundary line or something that like, keeps you from having fun, that, keep, that holds you back from experiencing the vastness of what else could be on the other side of that perimeter. right? But originally in the Greek, that word perisos actually speaks to the ends of the earth. It speaks to something, the vastness of space, like the perimeter of space. It talks about this in a way to expand our reality. So it's not a word about limitations. It's not a word about boundaries. Rather, it points to a life that's beyond measure. It points to a life that's, that's, that lives out of the overflow. It's a life of infinitely more. It's a life of greater than. And so when we talk about abundance, the word perisos, perimeter, Jesus is saying the life that I have for you is beyond measure. You can't fathom the ways that I want your life to live. You can't fathom the things that I have for you if you live in my parisos, if you live in my abundance. Jesus is speaking to something so big. So this is why Jesus, when he speaks about the life of abundance, he's saying this is your original intent. I've created you to live in that. Created you to live with a life beyond measure that overflows, that never just feels stuck or purposeless, but is is brings a lot of depth and life into the world. So when Jesus speaks about life of abundance, what he's referring to is a life that lives in its original tent. This is why Jesus is referring to a sheep pen. Love, you know, Jesus would bring kingdom kingdom truths and and make them really tangible for his listeners. So much so that you read this and it's like, wow, Jesus had to work really hard at that. Like, that illustration is pretty good, but at the end of it, his, his followers are like, huh? What? I, I don't understand anything. You can you imagine the frustration of Jesus? I'm like, come, come on, people. But Jesus is speaking to a sheep, a sheep pen, and, he, and he's really getting that to, to really emphasize and put special regards onto his main point in, in this whole story, which is, which is verse 10. Let me put that up right here. Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and that you may have it in abundance. So Jesus is talking about sheep. He's saying sheep are like, they're you and me. That's us, right? Uh, the shepherd is me. And, and Jesus is showing the picture. He's painting it. That says say sheep. You know anything about sheep? Anybody here ever owned a sheep before? Anybody ever been a shepherd or anything like that? You spend any time around sheep? Yeah. Go spend some time around sheep. This will make a lot more sense to you, maybe. But a uh, sheep lives its best life Uh, in a perimeter, in a pen, as Jesus says, around other sheep. It's in that environment that they truly thrive. It's where their food is. It's where their water is. It's where their protection is. uh, It's where their shepherd is. And so Jesus is saying this and correlating it to the world to say, this is the perimeter for a sheep pen. Like a sheep, their pen, that's pretty vast, right? It's more than enough space for them to live. It's more than enough space for them to have other relationships with other sheep. It's more than enough space for them to enjoy life. It's only when a sheep decides to wander outside of its perimeter, outside of its parisos, outside of its abundance, that it's subjected to dangers. Death, robbers, as Jesus says, at which we'll inspect. He says robbers and thieves. Uh, we'll we'll, we'll kind of examine that in just a second. I'll come back to that in a little bit. But Jesus is inviting us here as he's talking about this to to look inside of ourselves for a second, To to take some honest inventory about where you are at. Are you living your life in the parisos that Jesus has set up for you? Are you living your life in the abundance that Jesus has set up for you, or have you wandered outside? Have you decided that you, you have a better way? Have you decided that you know better, that that real life for you exists, you've compartmentalized stuff, not to say that you don't ever wander back into the sheep pen, but the majority of your life is spent living outside of it. Until something goes wrong, or until something, or until you need something from God, like food or water, as a sheep would come back, Jesus says, well, are you actually here living in the sheep pen, or are you living most of your life outside of it? So, Jesus invites us to actually take an honest inventory about what that looks like. And I think that's the only accurate way for us to answer that question honestly is to look inside of ourselves, to examine our hearts, to ask the Holy Spirit's help to show us the areas of our lives that are living outside of His parisos. Because Jesus says, and He speaks to that to say, it's pretty hard. I don't want to say it's difficult. That's not my place to speak that into your life. But Jesus seems to believe that it's pretty difficult to live an abundant life outside of his perisos, outside of his perimeter, outside of the life that He wants for you. Uh, he, he invites us to come back in so what what would you say uh, that your life is like right now? what What does it look like to you and and, and, and most importantly, what does abundance look like for you? If You're like, no, I feel like I'm living an abundant life. What does that look like? It's an important thing. You know, as we talk about abundance, there's lots of things. And we're actually going to, I think it's love. I think it's hope. I think it's peace. I think it's joy. I think it's Galatians 5, I believe, the fruits of the Spirit, which, by the way, that's what we're going to spend our entire time in this summer is, is going through the fruits of the Spirit. Um, I think there's a word there for our church in that. And so we're going to spend time there. I think there's a lot of things. and I think there's so much more that we can't even get into right now and so much more that we'll learn along the journey. But Jesus doesn't want us to live anything less than abundant life. I believe that. This is the life that he wants for us. He has high expectations for you. He has high expectations for his church. And he wants us to live there. And and for you, if you're here this morning, you feel like, I don't feel like I'm experiencing this abundant life. I don't feel like that's a thing in my life. I want it. There's other things that I'm experiencing, and I think there's a lot of good news here for us, and it's the only way that I'm able to stand up here and preach good news, because I think there is an opportunity for us to step into it. I think that's an option for us. I think the good news for us is that we can step into and begin the journey of an abundant life. Not to say that it's going to happen automatically, all the other problems and all the concerns that we have are gone, but there's a perspective shift that I think the Lord wants to bring this morning to your your life and and to mine. So, so here's the point I don't want you to miss. If there's anything you go and like, what the heck did Mike talk about today? I remember Parisos? You just go around and say Parisos. Everyone gonna you're so smart, by the way. But it's this that like you cannot live an abundant life outside of a relationship with Jesus. So that's our that's our framework. That's our that's our point of start. Okay, a, a deep, genuine, daily relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about just going to church on Sunday or going to group on t- Tuesday or Thursday. Like, that's not enough. Reading the Bible isn't enough. Praying isn't even enough. Like, those things are helpful. But a true, genuine, deep relationship with Jesus, just as you have with somebody that you just said their name a few minutes ago, whoever that person is. The ongoing equity uh, that goes into that. So where does an abundant life come from? Great question. That's a question that we all need to ask. I think it's intimacy. I think intimacy is, is, is probably... The, the, the entry point, the through line of, of your relationship with that person that you trust the most. Whoever it is that you feel like you can go to, I, I would venture to guess that it's intimacy. That's the reason why. What is intimacy? Do you know this? It's to know and to be known. It's to know someone for who they are, to love them as they are, and to choose to be with them no matter what. It's the same thing getting received. I feel utmost safe with this person. They know me. They know my strengths. They know my weaknesses. They know where I've been. They know where I'm heading. And we, we do that together, right? So intimacy, I think, I see it all throughout John chapter 10. This is where I think Jesus is pointing his people, is, is intimacy with him. That we can't experience an abundant life. We can just say, we want to be happy, or we're going to be joyful, and we can read the blogs, and buy the books, and whatever it is. And, and, but Jesus is like, that's not, that's all going to run out. You can only have an abundant life through deep intimacy with me. You can only experience per- perfect intimacy with, with me because with, I'm the only one that's perfect. Your, your intimacy in relationship with one another, it may be good, but it's also flawed and broken because the people that we're in relationship with here or whoever it is aren't perfect. So the intimacy that Jesus is drawing us into is perfect intimacy. And so here, I just want to say that uh, uh, I, there are three entry points that I see in this passage. We're going to move through these pretty, pretty quickly, okay? Okay. Um, that I see in this passage, um, I think all three uh, uh, are equal importance. I think all three are dependent on the, on the other. And I think all three do lead to an abundant life. But it requires uh, uh, something in us that commits to this. Uh, I guess I'll use the word discipline and sacrifice. These kinds of things that require us to actually anchor ourselves down so that we can experience intimacy with Jesus that will lead to an abundant life. These aren't going to be new to you, but hopefully they'll be challenging to you. That's, that's my hope, okay? The first, if you're taking notes, intimacy comes through communication. Verses three through five, I don't know if you've caught it. This is what Jesus said. The gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all of his own outside, He calls ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from him because they don't know the voice of strangers. Jesus is saying the shepherd sees each sheep individually. We just love our kids' ministry. I love it. I want them to have fun. This is great. Jesus individualizes his relationship with each person. Just as a shepherd sees individual sheep, Jesus individualizes his relationship with you. Jesus' interaction with you, this is, so, this is such a cool thing. And when I was having my study this time, I was walking and praying and, and, and kind of sitting in this truth for a second. The way Jesus interacts with me is different how, than how he interacts with you. Jesus knows how to have a relationship with Mike, Jesus knows how to have a relationship with Cody. He knows the way that Cody thinks. He knows the way that Cody hears. And he will talk to Cody in a way that Cody understands. So Jesus looks down at all of his creation, all eight billion-ish people, and he individualizes us. He doesn't look down at us and just see like a mound of army ants running around and be like, okay, this is the way I'm going to talk to you all. He individualizes his relationship. And he communicates to you specifically the way that he wired you. And the way he does that is... Through Communication through talking. Um, one of the best pieces of marital advice that Jesse and I got from the, our, our, one of our mentors that did premarital counseling for us, and it was really big on communication. This is what this couple said to us they're like, You know, n- no marriage fails because there's too much communication. It's actually the opposite. Uh, like, I think they went as far as to say, I've never seen a marriage fail that had stellar communication. <laughs> It just doesn't work that way, right? Like, uh, uh, the the kind of a a hinge point, a a strong foundation to a marriage, to a relationship, whatever it is, is communication. Like, you can never over-communicate with one another. Now, it may get annoying, but you're just so chatty right now. Just chill out, right? But but no relationship has been damaged because of over-communication. And I, I don't, this is the same with God, right? Like, God loves to hear my voice. He loves to hear the things that are on my heart. He loves to hear the things that are in my mind. God, I feel like he's just sitting there. He's just like, come on, keep, keep talking. I want to know what you think. Just the, the creator of the world. Like the Son of God loves to hear your voice. If if anything, that 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 should just, that, that's something worth reflecting on it in this week for you. But if anything, as we're talking, I wonder what would change in us if we start realizing, do my Father in heaven wants to hear my voice? He loves the things that I'm saying. Uh, and, and but with that, here's the trick. This is, what, this is what Jesus says. I love to hear I love to hear what you have to say. but do you want to hear what I have to say? Like a, a strong relationship. Marriage, relationship, whatever it is, is only half-hearted if one person is just talking the whole time. you ever been in that kind of relationship? You're like, this person won't be quiet. i got something to say. Like God wants to say things to us too. And so as much as God wants to hear our voice, he also wants us to close our mouths for a second and to speak back to us, to say things to us. One of my defaults, and probably a great limp in my relationship with Jesus, just to be honest with you all, is that I view God primarily as an orchestrator. It's just the way I work, this didn't even—I didn't, didn't go off in my mind until a couple years ago. Where I'm like, oh my gosh, all of my devotion, all of my prayer time, the things that occupy my heart, I spend all my time asking God to kind of just move things around the way that I want. Like, God, would you do this? Would you do that? Would you help me with this? Which, again, I think God wants, and he wants me to be honest. But with that, my limp is that I can often just develop my relationship with God is just by talking to God. And I haven't, it's really difficult for me to then actually listen. Because even when I'm like, I'm I'm just going to sit here, I just want to listen for 20 minutes, which I'm practicing every day right now. Sometimes when I drop my son off to school, but it's typically in my car, where it's quiet, I find myself talking to God and asking him to orchestrate some stuff. But if I only see God as orchestrator by means of talking to him, I'm missing out on one of the other important characteristics of God, which is Father. Right? of someone that actually has some stuff to say to me, an investment into my life, pouring into my life, and oftentimes the Father wants to pour and so much more into me than I ever can ask of him. His ways are infinitely bigger. So communication, what Jesus is getting at here, goes both ways. And when we have uh, uh, an ability to talk and to also listen to develop that healthy rhythm and routine, intimacy grows. It strengthens with the Lord. We crave times in silence and stillness, dare I say that, because we enter those times believing that God wants to say something. And So that's, that's a framework that he wants us to, to approach him with. And so tell him what's on your mind. Be quick to tell him what's on your mind. Be quick to ask him for help. But don't leave those moments without just sitting still and developing and flexing a muscle in your ear to listen hear what God wants to say to you. Jesus says, sheep wait for the voice of the shepherd before they go anywhere. Think about that. Before they do anything. What does that look like for our day? Before we do anything, I just want to hear your voice today, Lord. I invite you into my day. All the things that are in my mind, all the stresses that I have at work, all the interactions, the firing I have to do, whatever it is, Lord I just give that to you right now and I invite you to come in and I give it to you and I just want to wait in your presence that is a tangible way that we can develop an intimacy with Jesus is by starting our day before we go anywhere listening to the voice of Jesus. but in order for the sheep to hear the voice of the shepherd Jesus says that they have to actually be with him they actually have to spend time with him you can't just like not spend time like, with Jesus and then expect to like hear things from God. There's a tool thing. And so this is, what, this is what he says in verse 9. Jesus comes and he says this in verse 9. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. It speaks to the parisos. A thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I've come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. So so Jesus is saying, we have a choice in this. Jesus says, there will be some sheep, there will be some people who just decide to bypass the gate. Like, you know where to find Jesus. He's saying, I'm at the gate. And in a sense, in our context, he's anywhere that you are. Like, anywhere you go, he is. But with that understanding, the sheep know where he's at, and they choose to bypass him. They choose to go in a different way. They try to, to find a different way into his parisos, into life of abundance, and, they, and then they go find confusion there. And Jesus says, you have a choice to make in this. You have the ability to bypass the gate altogether. You have the ability to avoid me, and you have the freedom to go do your own thing. I will not control you. I will not force myself on you. You may think you know it's best, but but I want you to come to me. I'm here for you. I'm your shepherd. I want a relationship with you. And so Jesus is telling us, he's, you're best off entering into my presence through the gate every single day. Before you do anything, you're better off that way. You're better off spending time with me. Intimacy is through nearness. Intimacy is through proximity. And you can't experience... Uh, I'm yet to experience with, with Jesus uh, uh, through, this, through stubbornness, through fear, through doubt, through shame. If that's my lens into a relationship with God, if I'm imposing those things on God, whether the things in me or things I believe about God, I'm going to have a difficult time experiencing the intimacy of the Father if I, if I bring stubbornness, fear, doubt, or shame into those moments. And so Jesus wants us to bring all that. Don't get me wrong. He says, bring it to me but leave it at the gate. Leave it at my presence. Don't carry it with you because there is a far better life inside my parisos than outside. So spend time with me. Enjoy me. Because if, if, you, if, if you don't bring those things to me, if you don't enter into my presence every day, and I think this is where Jesus is getting at. This is something worth, worth, worth us reflecting on. If you don't enter into my presence, you're going to enter into other people's presence. You're going to seek intimacy somewhere else. Because this is what you're built for. You're built for intimacy. You're built to be known. You're built to know. And so Jesus says if you bypass the gate, you're going to seek that somewhere else. And you know what he calls them? Thieves and robbers. This is the way he talks about those other things. The things that you're going to lean into other than him. He calls them thieves and robbers. You know something about a thief and a robber? uh, They don't have your best interest in mind. Did you know that? (laughs) They don't care about you. They want to take away what Jesus has for you. Jesus wants, to live you, with, wants you to live with abundance. Thieves want to destroy your life. Jesus said they want, to, they want to steal things from you. They want to destroy you. They want to kill you. Thieves want to destroy your life. These are Jesus' words, not mine. But I think if we just step back for a second, if we're seeking intimacy with other things, whatever that is for you, I think we can all be honest and be like, yep. <laughs> That sounds about right. Because I'm experiencing anything else but an abundant life. My my life's ridden with fear, anxiety, depression, guilt, shame, all those things that we can be living in. And Jesus is like, because you're looking for intimacy in all the wrong places, enter into my presence every single day. And so I think if we're all honest, we're all after the same things. I think we all want this abundant life. I think what what breaks Jesus' heart more than anything else, are people cheating themselves? And I think are people sabotaging their own lives and choosing to, choosing to seek intimacy in the presence of other things other than Him? And I think this is where Jesus' heart breaks for His people. Because He's staying, you know where to find Him. And He sees people just bypassing Him and choosing other things. He's like, and turn to my presence, and turn to the thing that gives you life. Why are you choosing death number three jesus says intimacy is found through sacrifice uh, verse 11 i am the good shepherd the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep i love that passage jesus says i am the good shepherd he didn't just say i'm a shepherd Okay, I'm a shepherd. You're like every other shepherd? No, he says, I'm a good shepherd. So that that forces us to ask the question, what makes Jesus good? What makes him the good shepherd? He tells us here in this passage, I'm the good shepherd. I've laid my life down for my sheep. The only thing that made Jesus good, he's saying it himself, is sacrifice, is death. We sang about it a few songs ago. Where Jesus laid down his life so that we may have life. He's poured himself out on the cross. He chose death so that we can all have life. And so Jesus is telling us, hey, this is true for me. So guess what, followers? This is where it gets really risky and really complicated and really hard following Jesus, okay? He says, I want you to live that way too. You want the abundant life? You best start sacrificing (laughs) you best start leaving your life over to other people. You better start laying down your own expectations, your own desires, your own hopes and dreams, and asking me what it is that I want to do through you. We, we, we can't, if we're going to just choose the first two, we're missing out on the abundant life, guys. If we're just going to be like, okay, I just want to, I'm just going to talk to God, okay, I'm just going to be in His presence, but I'm not going to actually live a life of sacrifice Jesus said, we're we're missing out. All three of these matter. And so Jesus is saying, I I didn't lay down my life just for your sake. The thing I did for you on the cross, he's speaking in the future, the thing I'm going to do for you and what I did for you on the cross, guess what I'm also going to do for everybody else. And so he wants us to participate in that. He wants us to lay down our lives for the world's sake. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, here's intimacy all through right here, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I laid down my life for my sheep, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So Jesus tells us just a a few chapters earlier uh, that, that his heart, and at the heart of the Father, is that all people would be saved. This is is what Jesus says. If you have any question of whether or not God's heart is for the world, just read the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I've come for the world. The Father's desire is that that all will be saved. He wants everyone to be saved. Uh, And and, and the only way that Jesus says this can happen is you've got to actually be still, listen, communicate, be in my presence, and then go out and, and serve and live this way. Don't just bolt through the gate, right? Don't just live that way. So Jesus is inviting us to live a life that reflects his. If you choose to follow Jesus, he's speaking boldly to us. Because he's like, your heart ought to break for the things that my heart breaks for. In fact, I would say it this way, so bold, and I say this out of love uh, and and concern. But if, if your heart... Doesn't break for those that don't know Jesus, I would be very concerned if I was you. If if you have no um, thought or concern for the 2.3 billion people in the world that have no relationship with Jesus, I would I would I would actually get bring that to the Lord and start asking him about that and start entering into relationship with Jesus. Because Jesus says, My heart breaks for the lost, my heart breaks for the sheep that aren't a part of my parisos that aren't living the abundant life that he has for us, that also means his followers as well. But the heart of God is that all would be saved, that he would use you and he would use me to set the world on fire for the Lord, that the whole world would be living this abundant life. Can you imagine? And this is why Jesus just a few verses ago said, hey, one day this is going to happen. One day, we're all going to be together. Everyone that follows me, everyone that calls on my name and has been saved will live this abundant life and will draw to me, will worship me. This is something to look forward to. Where all the tears are gone, all the cancer's gone, all the diseases are gone, all the divorces are gone, where Jesus says, every single person that calls on my name will have abundant life. This is where our hope comes from. Abundant life is for all of us. I'll invite the band up. That's enough. You get it. Um. Just in my prayer, um, this week I just was asking. What, I was just asking the Lord, and we had a teach team meeting. We really wrestled through this. We were just asking the question: What is holding us back from abundant life? Like, what specifically is keeping our, our community? Um, from stepping into an abundant life, and there are two things that come to mind first. I think the, the first is just skeptical, um, and you should be right. Like I'm not saying you shouldn't be skeptical. You actually should be skeptical because we can read blogs, we can listen to podcasts, we can buy books that that gives us theories and answers, a really good answers to really important questions on how to like live your best life, right? So. The world is selling stuff all the time to us. And we hear things, and maybe we've tried those things, and guess what? They don't work, right? And so we have a deep skepticism that's inside of us because we've realized that the world is full of stuff. It's full of fluff. It's full of things that just don't work. I keep finding myself back to the same place I was before. And I think what most of us... uh, need to ask, and I think, the, I think what most of us are really wondering, and we talk about abundant life, like, does this really happen? Like, can, can this happen? Like, could this actually be a real thing that I live in every single day? Is it living? Is it breathing? Is this, like, is there real clear examples out there? And I think we have to ask these questions. I think we have to ask these difficult questions as we talk about anything that Jesus proposes to us. I think he wants us to have that dialogue. Because I, I, I have no interest in subscribing to a truth that I can't live out. Neither should you. Like, if, like what are we buying? Like, if this, if this actually can't be lived out, if I actually can't live in this and there's no fruit or life change that happens, to be, to be completely honest with you, we're probably just wasting our time here. this week. We have better things to do. But what makes the difference... And all of this and what makes this life worth it and this time worth it is it if abundant life is actually possible. I believe it is. Number two, maybe you're distracted. A thief has come into your life and and taken from you what Jesus has put in you. It's not because bad. It's not because you've done something wrong. It's just because priorities are out of whack. And and, and I want to challenge you with something this week. If that's you, if you're like, I'm just distracted. Abundant life, I believe it, I'm all in, but I'm not experiencing it. Um, Maybe it's because you're distracted. I want to ask you this question. What is robbing you from living an abundant life today? The thief or the robber that Jesus is speaking to here in this passage actually has to do with false prophets. He's not speaking about the devil. The devil will use things, right? But he's speaking about false prophets. And, and, and basically a false prophet in Jesus' day, which is still true today, uh, are, are things or their people or their voices that selling something that Jesus never sold. They're speaking things that Jesus never spoke. They're adding on to what Jesus did. A lot of times in the West, it's health, wealth, prosperity, but there's also a lot of different things underneath that, right? Um, I, I developed, I have a list here. Of, I think some of the, the biggest false prophets or thieves that we face every day, that that just knowing our community and having conversations with many of you um, are some real things that you're facing. I'm not gonna I don't have time to read all these off, but yeah, I encourage you to take a picture of it. To, to mull over this, maybe create your own list. Um, and as you look at these, like these are real, like these are real things. These are real things that are robbing us of an abundant life and I think if Jesus was here today he would he would come up here and he'd be like this is no way to live this is not what I have for you this is not what I want for you these things don't lead to an abundant life with me these lead somewhere else and so I think Jesus just wants to awaken us for a second sober our minds to the kind of life that we're stepping into, the path that we're on. And, and I think the other thing Jesus would say to this is, don't freak out. <laughs> because the only way to combat these things is to receive his grace, is to receive his love, is repentance and confession, to talk with somebody about it, to have an honest dialogue about the things that's robbing you from having an abundant life. And so I challenge you to identify whatever it is, whether it's on this list or not, this is not a comprehensive list. Probably could have took all week to keep going, right? But to identify what that is for you, to write it down, to lean into it, um, and then to bring it to Jesus every single day. Start your day handing over the things that are robbing you. Communicate with Jesus. Be in his presence. And develop a healthy rhythm of sacrifice. If we do that, we're on the path towards abundant life. We're walking the path that Jesus has for us. And every single day, little sprinkles, little ounces of abundant life, you'll begin to smile a little bit more. You'll begin to be filled with a little bit more hope. You'll start having encouraging words with people. You'll start standing a little taller. You'll start seeing where Jesus is at work in your office. You'll start seeing where Jesus is at work in your finances. You'll start seeing where Jesus is at work in your marriage. You'll see Jesus everywhere. And this is what he wants us to feel and experience. So I'm excited for the next four weeks. I'm excited to dive deeper into this. Um, And my hope and my prayer, would you stand with me, is that the abundant life, I want to speak this into your life right now, would be your new normal. That you'll say goodbye to the old and so you'll say yes to the new. So Lord, we're uh, all yours this morning. I pray for uh, intimate times this week with you in our church that, th- that whatever, whatever you're stirring in our hearts this morning would, would, would go with us into Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and so forth. That this would be uh, a five-week season for our church, God, where you would take us to the new level, that you would remove lids off us, that you'd remove uh, doubts or skepticism or distractions, or shame, and that you would fill Reunion Church with life, life to the full not just for our sake, but for the world's sake. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.